Well, a congregation came to church one Sunday morning, and everyone before the service began were filling up the pews as we are this morning, and they were excitedly talking about last week and their plans for the week ahead when suddenly, zap! Old Slewfoot appears out of nowhere at the altar, standing before the congregation. The devil, Satan. The congregation began screaming as they saw evil incarnate standing before them. They were running for the door, stampeding out of the church. Except for one man. One man that calmly sat there in the pew. And as, uh, as the father of lies saw him sitting there in the pew so calmly, Satan was confused. And Satan roared at him. Hey, don't you know who I am? The man said, yep, sure do. Well, aren't you afraid of me, Satan shouted. Man looked at him and said, no, sure ain't. Satan roared, why aren't you afraid of me? Man looked up at him and said, well, I've been married to your sister for 25 years. Pastor, that was bad. <laughs> Regrettably, tragically, Satan is no laughing matter. He's no joke. You know, I did a little research with my Wednesday night class uh, six months ago, and I discovered that the largest population of Satanists do not live in New York City. They do not live in San Francisco. They don't live in Sin City, Las Vegas. They live where? City of Detroit. And I'm not making that up. You can Google that. Many of you are aware that uh, this past June, the unveiling, it was touted as history's largest public worship of Satan, took place in the city of Detroit as this 1,000-pound statue was unveiled. And you can take it off the screen now. Just last week, I was made aware the city of Troy, the city of Troy, our neighboring suburb, the police department, has made a public information announcement that they have recorded at least two incidences of Christian churches being scoped out by seemingly Islamic terrorists. Islamic terrorists seemingly asking about the security arrangements of those churches. They were caught videotaping both the interior and the exterior of those churches. I don't say those things to cause fear. 
And we have definitely made our security team aware of these kinds of events as the police department is wanting to know, wanting surrounding communities to be aware of this. Troy, and, and I'm not taking any, please, political stance here or any racial stance here whatsoever, but it's a fact that the city of Troy has been the recipient of the most Syrian uh, immigration uh, population than any other city in America. I don't know if you were aware of that. Uh, spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. At times, it's very blatant. This morning, the breaking news, one of our missionaries was killed in Burkina Faso by Islamic terrorists. Someone like Randy Young, they're, they're living on the edge for the glory of God. That's why we need to pray. Sometimes the spiritual warfare is very blatant, but I submit to you that the majority of satanic attack is very devious, it's very insidious, it's very subtle. The enemy glorifies in a strategy that I would label as the deceptiveness of the gradual. I don't find followers of Jesus Christ losing out with God overnight, but step by step, a gradual, rusting, corroding, dissipating manner of a, of a walk with God that is denigrated and degraded not overnight, but over time, where all of a sudden we realize that Christian, that follower of Jesus Christ, that church member is now no longer on fire for God, but has lapsed into a half-hearted, lukewarm, namby-pamby, milk-toast, mediocre, mundane, miserable Christianity. It's no wonder Paul instructs us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul instructs us, finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Notice there, underscore, circle it, highlight it. Put on the full armor of God. Paul saw some just putting on the partial armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. He repeats it twice. Anytime in the Hebrew mind something is repeated twice, it is done for emphasis. It is done because it's extremely pivotal, critical, vital, important. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit. See, we're talking about prayer here. This all ends up ultimately in the ministry of prayer, the life of prayer, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. 
Last week, we underscored the point that we're all prayer warriors. Don't relegate the prayer warrior to be some sweet, gray-haired, 85-year-old lady. The moment you became a born-again believer, you were enlisted into the Lord's army. And you're a prayer warrior. The issue of the hour is, are you putting on all the armor? Are you praying effectively? Are you praying with power? Last week we learned, we learned last week, that we're called to put on the belt of truth. We're to pray the truth of God's word, not some other truth. We learned last week to keep your prayer life from being paralyzed by past sins, your past lifestyle. To remain from being paralyzed by guilt and regret. You need to put on daily the breastplate of righteousness. That means you're putting on God's approval. That means God's pleased with you. Not for who you are or what you have done, for what Jesus did. And for who Jesus is. We learned last week that for the enemies, desire to poison your prayer life with fear, you're to pray with the peace of God. You're to have your feet shod with the gospel of peace. We discovered last week that for the enemy's flaming arrows and fiery doubt, darts of doubt and discouragement, despair and depression, we're to lift high the shield of faith, knowing that our God is able to make a way where there seems to be no way. Last week, the armor that we taught and we preached about, it dealt with your posture in prayer. This week, the armor and the arsenal that I will underscore deals with power in prayer. I want to teach you how to have power in prayer. There's a difference in the way people pray. And I'm not talking about shouting like I am right now. I'm not talking about your volume. I'm talking about your effectiveness in God in prayer. This morning, I continue our two-part sermon, Prayer Warriors, part two. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we recognize that there are burdens, there are griefs, there are battles being fought even here this morning. And in the name of Jesus, we plead the blood of Jesus Christ, which prevails over all. Lord, grant us ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to his church in this hour. Amen and amen. Write it down in your sermon study guide. When you endeavor to be victorious in prayer, the enemy will wage his greatest attack, his greatest battle, in your mind. Your mind. Why? Why does he attack our minds? Your mind has incredible potential. Not only for your life, not only for your destiny, but for the destiny of countless others. Despite hundreds of billions of dollars and 50 years of research by computer scientists, are you aware that there's no computer system in the world that can equal the power of your mind? Your brain has more than 100 billion neurons that are working constantly. About 100 terabytes of information. I mean, that is so far above the gigabytes in your smartphone, in your pocket or purse right now. It is beyond our imagination. 
Your brain is the most complex and orderly arrangement of matter in the known universe. We cannot find anything in the universe more marvelous than that gray matter between your ears. Look at somebody right now and say, I'm pretty special. Yes. The enemy knows our thoughts. He knows that our thoughts are not only the breeding ground for your words and actions, but our thoughts, our mind, has the power to determine the destiny of our soul and the destiny of countless other souls. Think of that. The devil attacks our minds with doubts, with fears, with lust, with feelings of insecurity, feelings of inadequacy. He attacks us when we go to our knees in prayer for us OCD people with countless things to do lists that we're wasting our time, that we should be making things happen instead of praying. By the way, prayer is not a preparation for action. Prayer is action in itself. To be victorious, write it down and have power in prayer. We must put on, we must put on, we must put on our most vital piece of armor, the helmet of salvation. I don't want to be gross with you here this morning, but in ancient warfare or even in modern warfare, like with a sniper, what kind of shot are they going to go for? That's right. You go for the head, you take out the enemy. It's an instant kill. It's interesting that Paul then takes the most critical, critical aspect of our life as Christian, as a Christian, salvation, and equates that with the helmet. Are you with me here? What is our salvation based upon? How good you are? Your merit? Huh? Who you are as a person? What is your salvation based upon? Your church membership? How much you just put in the offering plate? What is your salvation based upon? Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 through 11. The Bible says, For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God. How much? Day and night. Who's the accuser? Satan. He constantly whispers into your mind and my mind. He accuses us constantly. How is he overcome? Your good looks? Huh? Your seniority? How much money you have in the bank? All the good deeds that you have done? How is he overcome? They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I do not boast in my good works. I do not boast in my self-righteousness. Paul said, if I will boast, I will boast in the cross of Calvary and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! What brought about victory over the forces of hell by Jesus? What turned the tide in the battle? What brought about decisive victory over the enemy? Was it the teachings of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus, the healings of Jesus? What was it? It was the blood of Jesus. It was finally when he shed his blood upon the cross of Calvary. The Bible says that Christ shouted out, It is 
finished. What's finished? <laughs> Sin and death is finished. Satan is finished. Hallelujah. He's on the losing side. We're on the winning side. Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth. Glory to God. The blood of Jesus brought us deliverance. It brought us authority as king's kids. It brings us victory time and time and time again. You see, our minds, this might be a new revelation for some of you, our minds can be garbage collectors. I know you've never experienced that. I know you know nothing about that. I'm being facetious with you. Our minds can be garbage collectors. We rub shoulders with people that are complainers. They're negative all the time. They always see the bad side of things. We rub shoulders with people that are complainers, whiners, and moaners, and groaners. We, 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 we live in an X-rated culture, a moral meltdown, and our, our minds can be garbage collectors of, of lust. That's why, I don't know about you, but every single day, every single day, every single day, especially as I move into prayer, I need to put on the helmet of salvation and have a brainwashing by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Wash this. Cleanse this. That's why we need to put on the helmet of salvation. But our helmet... Hear me in this. Our helmet of salvation not only cleanses, it not only protects, but it grants us victory. We wage battle much more effectively through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. When the, when the enemy whispers into your mind, God is angry with you. God doesn't love you. God has not forgotten what you did 20 years ago. Or two hours ago. He hasn't forgotten and he hasn't forgiven. And so he is not going to answer your prayer. That's why you need to put on the helmet of salvation. Because when the enemy attacks your mind like that, you don't point out to him your good deeds. You don't point out to him your church membership. You don't plead your case on your own personal goodness or merits or the points, the brownie points that you think you've won with God. You don't plead your case in that manner. You plead the blood. <laughs> you plead the blood. That's right, enemy. In and of my Myself, I am nothing, but I plead the blood of Jesus Christ, which will never lose its power. It flows to the highest mountain, and it flows to the lowest valley. Hallelujah! There's power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Amen! 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 Listen, listen, listen. Some churches, some Assembly of God churches, will no longer allow their praise team, allow their worship leader, their song service to sing anything about the blood of Jesus Christ. Because in their mind, it is distasteful. It turns off the visitor. It turns off the guest. I want you to know. And I declare, as long as I am here, we're going to preach about the blood. We're going to sing about the blood. We're going to praise the Lord for the blood of the Lamb. Worthy, worthy is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Amen. 
Praise the Lord. Oh, give me some more monitor, if you would, please. I'm about ready to rub my chin off. Amen. The blood, the precious wonder-working blood. I was brought up in a church where we used to sing the old chorus, there's power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. We would sing it with three powers. There's power, 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 wonder. Then we'd sing it with four power, 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 power. I mean, we get, we get caught up. Listen, we're living in more of a satanic world. If there was ever a time that we need to preach and teach the blood, it's now. Listen, when you, when, you, when you rushed into emergency after an auto accident and you need a transfusion, are you going to hesitate? Are, are you going to be repugnant over the fact of getting a transfusion of blood? No, it's going to save your life. It's precious. And there's no more precious blood than when we received a transfusion of life. And not only life, not only cleansing, but we received a transfusion of victory and authority over every work of darkness from the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Precious Jesus. So do like me. I've done it so many times. As your pastor, I've been attacked in my mind on so many levels. I've been attacked uh, as a pastor with disappointment, discouragement, depression. I've been attacked as a man. My blood is as red as you men out there, and maybe even more so. And I've been attacked in my mind, and I lay my hand upon my head as I put on the helmet of salvation, and I declare as I plead the blood of Jesus over my mind, Lord, my body and my mind is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I plead your blood right now, for this vessel was not fashioned uh, uh, for the enemy's authority. It was fashioned for the Lord, and Jesus, you have all authority in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then go to prayer. You cannot pray effectively until you put on the helmet of salvation. Next, to use the sword of the Spirit, to pray with power consistently. Pray the promises of God. Oh, I skipped ahead. Praying with power is praying the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Notice here, Paul, up until this point, has been talking about defensive armor, primarily. But now, Paul, for the first time, initiates with us an offensive measure, the sword of the Spirit. When Randy Young and I went to Southeastern University a little while ago, a long while ago, three out of the four years, I was privileged to be the uh, soccer team captain. I learned something as a soccer team captain. Constant defense, constant defense anticipates defeat. If you're constantly taking a hit, taking a hit, say, oh, pastor, I'm just standing here protected in my armor, taking a hit, taking an attack, taking a hit from the enemy. Constant defense anticipates defeat. I learned as a soccer captain, you better bring the attack on. You better go on the offensive or you'll never win the battle. You'll never win the victory. 
Saints, Christians, Christ followers, in prayer, you got to turn the corner and move <laughs> on the offense and engage the unseen foe in prayer. God has called us to do that. He's called us to do that by taking up the sword of the Spirit. What is the sword of the Spirit? Look at verse 17 again. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In Greek, the English word in Greek, put it on the screen, spelled out W-O-R-D. In Greek, it's rhema. Logos is the printed word, the written word. Rhema is the spoken word. It's a confessed word. It is the declared word. It's when the Holy Spirit of God brings to your memory a promise of God. Remember, the promises of God in Holy Scripture are already anointed. When the Holy Spirit brings to your memory a promise of God that applies to your problem, your need, your attack, you are using, when you pray that promise, you are using a rhema word. A rhema word is an anointed, appointed word on the attack that's coming from the forces of hell. How did David, little boy David, how did he conquer Goliath? Tell me how. Not with a slingshot. He ran to the roar of Goliath shouting, You come to me with spear, sword, and shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord that all the house of Israel shall know that God does not save by spear or shield, but the battle is the Lord's. And he ran to the roar of Goliath and then hit him with the stone. Hallelujah. Goliath was first defeated by the word of the Lord. How did Jesus overcome the enemy in the wilderness temptation with Satan? Jesus said, it is written. It is written. It is written. Jesus did not depend upon his divine credentials as the son of God. Jesus himself quoted the word of God. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is written, thou shalt not test the Lord thy God. It is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. It is written. Jesus gave us a living example of how to pray the promises of God in prayer. So write it down to use the sword of the Spirit to pray with power consistently pray the promises of God in prayer. What is it? What is it this morning that the devil would like to rob your victory and your joy with? Is it your finances? Then go to prayer and speak a rhema word. Pray the promises of God. Lord, I stand upon your word that declares that my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. Lord, you said in your word, you give me the power to get wealth. Lord, I stand upon your word where David said, uh, I once was young, but now I am old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. Lord, I confess your word. Some of you are here this morning, you've gotten a terrible diagnosis from a doctor. Some of you are struggling with diseases or illnesses. Then go on the attack. 
Yes, you need to put on the spiritual armor for defense, but go on the attack in the name of Jesus. Engage the unseen foe in the name of Jesus. Take your stand of faith. Lord, I declare right now that you are Jehovah Rophe. I am the Lord that healeth thee, and by your stripes I am healed. James chapter 5 verse 14 declares, Lord, that the prayer of faith will heal the sick. I stand upon it in the name of Jesus. But maybe, and I'll tell you, far worse than any sickness is the black pit of depression, the black pit of despair, doubt, and disillusionment that leads to defeat. Honey, sir, ma'am, if that's you, you need to get up every single morning in prayer and pray the promises of God, which are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. Take a stand of faith, give a rhema word, and declare, if God be for me, who can be against me? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Though the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I will raise rejoice and I will be glad in it. God said it. I believe it. I receive it. That settles it in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. There it is. Wield the sword of the Spirit and watch what God can do and watch what God will do. Real prayer. Is real prayer the way a preacher prays? Is real prayer to be eloquent, oratorical, couched in a stained glass voice? Lord, you are the crystallized deification and manifested resplendence of God's incarnate and supernal altruism revealed in myriad manner by coalescent capacity to uh, expedite soteriological necessity. And Jesus would say, Say what? <laughs> My Bible, your Bible says to pray with power means praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. Paul said in Ephesians 6.18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Not some, all occasions. If you want to be effective in prayer, if you always want to be on target and hit the bullseye of God's will in prayer, stop using your words and start using God's words. By the way, what language do they speak in Italy? A town. What language do they speak in Germany? Yeah, it's the holy language. No. What language do they speak in China? What language do they speak in heaven? God language. God's language. It is language that is imbibed with supernatural power. It is the language that God used to create existence out of non-existence. Oh, I saw a documentary on the Big Bang the other day, and they have all kinds of fancy answers going back to the Big Bang, but they have no clue what happened before the Big Bang. <laughs> God spoke, the Bible says, and the worlds came into existence. 
His word is loaded with authority, victory, power. <laughs> with his word, Jesus spoke, and blind eyes could see, the lame could walk, demons screamed out in terror, and the dead were raised. Such is the power of God's spoken word. Pray in the Spirit using God's language. On the first birthday of the church, when God birthed the church, He had a choice of what gift to give the church. He could have given any resource of heaven available at His sovereign disposal. But what gift did God choose to give the church? What gift did God choose to give every Christian that desires it? What gift? Acts 2.4 And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Hallelujah! Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15, What shall I do then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. You see the two choices in prayer. And you notice that Paul said, I will. Say those two words with me. I will. You have a choice. I said, you have a choice. Some of you think the baptism of the Holy Spirit is emotional excess. You think it's fanaticism. You think it's being a Jesus freak. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God comes upon you, and it's an uncontrollable emotional stimuli and response. You're dead wrong. I can choose to speak in tongues. I can choose to speak in English. I can choose to pray in tongues. I can choose to pray in English, my mother tongue. And so can you. This is a gift of God, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God language for every born-again believer. Please be aware of this. Why does God want us to speak in His language? Not only is His language encrypted, and the enemy cannot decipher it, not only is His language powerful, mighty, victorious, and always on target, but often... We don't know how to pray. Sometimes we're so messed up emotionally, we cannot pray. Our brain cannot function uh, in an orderly fashion. We're so overcome with emotion. Sometimes we don't know if the attack is coming from flesh and blood or it's coming from the forces of hell itself. Sometimes we don't know God's will in the matter is. That's... Why? He asks you to use His words and not your words. Romans chapter 8, Paul discussed this issue, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. When you pray in God language, you're always on target. Always on target. Last year, there was a women's prayer meeting in our garden room, as it is every Tuesday morning. Powerful. Women's prayer meeting led by Dory Cummings. Last year, a message in tongues came forth. 
in a language that was completely unlearned by the one who gave the message in God language, in tongues. Unbeknownst to the one who gave that message in tongues. There was a girl, a young lady, in that class that desperately, desperately needed that word. Unbeknownst to the one that gave that message in tongues, she was speaking in fluent Spanish. And this lovely young Hispanic Mexican girl was sitting there in the group, away from God. Nobody understood what was said, but she did. The message from God was this. You need this church. This church will help you. This church will help you live for Jesus. I love you. Come back to me. You need to stay in this church. I'm not making this up. This young lady is sitting right here this morning in the third pew. Yaakabeth. And she doesn't miss a service. She's involved in this church. She's growing in this church. She's fulfilling the word of the Lord. We're talking about God language. Now that was a message in tongues. Not every Christian has that gift, a public message in tongues, but every single one of us should be seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues to be more powerful, to be more effective, to be more victorious in prayer. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. If you're not praying in the Spirit, or if you're not desiring to pray in the Spirit, we need to sit down and find out what's wrong. Because you're not a Bible Christian. I'm just going to have to tell you that. And, and, and I'll just say, this is a bunny trail, and I've got to watch my time. But I'm talking to my Assembly of God people. I am grieved in my spirit for Pentecostal people, Assembly of God people that have left our churches and have gone to other churches that don't preach the full gospel just because they're mega churches. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of Pentecost, is never taught or preached in that Christian circle. God help us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, sweet Spirit. Come today, I ask and pray. Come in your own special way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. If you want to pray with power, if you want to invade the impossible, stop using your language and use God's language. Pray in the Spirit. Write it down. Lastly, real prayer warriors consistently engage in intercessory prayer by praying for others. By praying for others. Praying for others. Paul says in verse 18, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. My son Jonathan, who pastors in Southern California, when he was a preschooler, we were awfully, awfully worried about him. He had a habit, he had an addiction that I never thought he'd be freed from. He was a thumb sucker. That boy sucked his thumb in the morning 
at noon, at night. I'd go in at times, pray over him in the middle of the night, and he'd be still sunk. I mean, just working on that thumb. Working it over. Sometimes I'd pull it out of his mouth just to see if there was flesh still on the bone. I came real close to tying a board to his arm so he couldn't suck his thumb. We laugh because it's a sign of immaturity. I wonder how many times God looks down upon his church and he sees the way his children are praying and he would label it thumb-sucking praying, immature praying. What do you mean, pastor? I'm talking about prayers that constantly consist and subsist of bless me, Lord, Bless me, Lord. Here's my shopping list. This is what I want. You're my heavenly Santa Claus. Bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Is it all right to pray for God's blessings? Yes. But if 100% of your prayer time is bless me, Lord, instead of make me a blessing, something is wrong. You're immature. And I give you a profound theological word this morning. Grow up. It's grow-up time. Amen. To mature in prayer, real prayer warriors wage prayer warfare for other Christians. They pray for their Christian children. They pray for their Christian friends. They lift up Lakeside Assembly of God in a prayer warrior's week of prayer. They lift up this church. I know that my preaching, I know that my pastoring is propped up by your prayers. It's not my ability. It's not my gifts. It's because of your prayers. When Julie was age four, she had this hobby, a hobby of losing herself. Well, she knew where she was, but she would hide from us and put us through every parent's nightmare. And one particular time, we could not find her. She was nowhere outside or inside. The neighbors were combing the street. We were terrified. We had called 911. The police were on their way when suddenly, down in the basement, out from behind some blankets, Julie popped up. Surprise! Here I am! But all joking aside... There's nothing that grieves a parent, a loved one more, than when their child, their spouse, their grandchild, their parent is lost or blind in spiritual darkness. How many... How many are Christians here this morning? How many are born again followers of Jesus Christ? For every Christian that would raise their hand here this morning, I would dare say that somewhere, somehow, somebody was praying for you. You're living for God today because somebody, somewhere, at some time, prayed for you and lifted you up to the Lord in prayer. The highest form of intercession is praying for the lost and the blind. 
Intercessory prayer does not save the sinner, but it releases the Spirit of God to knock upon their heart's door, to soften their heart, that they might be receptive for the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I pray over the unsaved, when I pray over unbelievers, when I pray over pre-Christians, I pray, Lord, open their eyes, reveal your love to them, reveal your grace to them. God, get them to start thinking about heaven. Get them thinking about hell. Oh God, do whatever it takes. Wake them up, oh God. Surround them. Send a holy posse of lakeside believers to surround them with your word. Somehow, someway, Lord, use the loved one to speak the word of the Lord to them. Every time I prayed over this cross this past week of prayer, my heart, my heart was gripped as I looked into these eyes to think that if they're not reached by the gospel of Jesus Christ, if they're not born again, they will spend an eternity in hell. You have not been called to pray, just bless me, bless me. The church is not to be a bless me club, but we are to engage the unseen foe and claim back to the church, restore back to the church. We're to bind the strong man, Jesus said, in our prayers that we may go in and restore back to the church those things, those loved ones that he has stolen. I'm speaking to parents here this morning. That the enemy would like to make you give up in praying and wave, and wave the white flag of surrender. Don't you dare. You planted good seed in your children, and God's word will not return void. Void, your part is to pray. Pray daily. Pray specifically. You can sow, but only God can grow. Trust Him in prayer to bring to life the dormant seed that you planted in your daughter, that you planted in your son when you brought them to church at an early age and they heard the word of the Lord. <laughs> By the way, when we intercede, who is? Who is? Who is our mediator? When we're praying for the lost or praying any prayer, who is our mediator between us and God? Let us be clear. When I pray to the Father, my prayers must first go through a mediator. Who is that mediator? I declare to you, it's not St. Michael. It's not St. Christopher. It's not St. Francis. It's not even St. Madonna. The mother of, of Jesus, Mary. When you pray to the Father, who do your prayers go through? Who is it that makes them authoritative and mighty and powerful? Who? Tell me his name. Jesus. For there is no other mediator between God and man save the man Christ Jesus whereby we can be saved. Hallelujah. May God bless the preaching of his word here this morning. His word here this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we bow our heads, oh God, before you. Come, 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 sweet Holy Spirit. Come even right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Soften hearts. Woo hearts. Knock upon hearts' doors. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You are here this morning. 
I don't know you maybe personally. I don't know your past or your present. But I know one who does, and he reads your mail. He desperately loves you. We love you. We love you so much. I'm going to tell you the truth. Can you handle the truth? I'm going to tell you the truth. God loves you so much that He has done His best. He has sent His best to detour you. What do I mean by detour? To detour you from a highway to hell. There is a heaven to gain. There is a hell to shun. And this is your day to get right with God. I'm going to pray a prayer, a prayer of salvation. If this morning you're not certain you're right with God, if you're not certain that you have a home in heaven, if you're not content the way your life is right now, if you want to joy, enjoy abundant life right now in the here and here and now and eternal life in heaven to come, if you'd like to be included in a prayer of salvation that I'm going to pray, lift up your hand right now. This is a sign of your faith. Lift it up right now. Lift it up right now. You know who I'm talking to. God bless you. I see that hand. Amen. Amen. Christians, intercede. Intercede. There's spiritual warfare going on right now. Intercede. God bless you. Number two. God bless you. God bless you. How many more? Lift it up high. Lift it up high. God is calling. The Holy Spirit is calling. Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow could be too late. How many more? Lift up your hand. Pastor, include me in your prayer. Include me in your prayer. Lift it up high that I can see it. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. Everyone pray with me right now, especially those that have their hands raised. Are you ready? Pray it out loud. Dear Jesus, I come to you right now. And I confess, I am a sinner. But Jesus, you're my Savior. Cleanse me. Wash me with your powerful cleansing blood. I believe, Jesus, you died for me and you rose with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus. A new life. A changed life. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me, for changing me. I thank you, Jesus. I am saved. In the name of Jesus, I believe this. And I receive it. Amen and amen. Stand with me this morning.